Welcome to episode 132 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemar. Hey, John. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? I did. It was uh, just a great time to spend with family. Went down to Connecticut. We uh, we had three different kinds of, of, of roast meat, some on the barbecue, so it's definitely... Uh, little bit of gluttony there. And so what's the third? Turkey, ham, what? Um, porchetta, which is another pork, okay. uh, a pork, pork shoulder roast on the uh, on the grill. Nice. So, and, you know, marinated and everything. My uncle's, uh, you know, he's, he's a great cook. So it's a lot of fun. And I don't know, the kids got to play with, with the dogs. And I don't know. It's it just a good time. So, so wonderful. How, how was yours? It was fine. Quiet. It's family. Fine. Yeah. Well, Thanksgiving is... Uh, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, right on par or very close to, uh, you know, Christmas time, just in terms of the quality time that you get with family. So Christmas can be a little crazy. Uh, Thanksgiving always feels a little bit more, a little bit more casual, at least for me. So I enjoy it. Yeah, I prefer Thanksgiving because unless you're one of those uh, Black Friday participants, it, it eschews the consumerism mm-hmm. that is so, you know, um, insidious in Christmas. So I, I appreciate that. So today, Dirk, um, I wanted to chat a little bit about uh, an issue that that I see coming up time and again, which is media splintering in the digital age. And what drew my attention to this topic for this week was a very interesting article in Rolling Stone magazine uh, about the decline of media. Um, And it's called America is Too Dumb for TV News. So it was specific to the television uh, broadcast news medium. But I think some of the things that the author said uh, also related to to news in the digital digital age, generally speaking. So so the writer, Matt Taibbi, is discussing television news as related to Donald Trump's outrageous claims that he saw thousands and thousands of Muslims celebrating the destruction of the World Trade Center buildings on 9-11. So so the author says, quote, it's our fault. We in the media have spent decades turning the news into a consumer business that's basically indistinguishable from selling cheeseburgers or video games. You want bigger margins. You just cram the product full of more fat and sugar and violence and wait for your obese, overstimulated customer to come waddling forth. The old Edward R. Murrow, eat your broccoli version of the news was banished long ago. Once such whiny purists were driven from editorial posts and the ad people over the last four or five decades got invited in, things changed. Then it was nothing but murders, bombs, and panda births delivering to thickening couch potatoes in ever briefer blasts of 40, 30, 20 seconds. So uh, not only is Matt, uh, you know, can turn a phrase there, but, uh, I, you know, I, th- I think he's on to something. So, so there are a number of sort of different uh, uh, views on this that, that I wanted to take today. But uh, first, I wanted to see what your, um, your thoughts were on the subject. Yeah, I mean, he's right. And it's no surprise. I mean, look, this is the this this is the ultimate byproduct of um, lightly regulated capitalist economic systems. It's all about profits and making money. There's not government oversight or structure of any kind to make sure that your broccoli 
gets through to you. It's all about how can we create addicts who buy our stuff? How can we, um, how can we appeal to the basest animal instincts and reactionary um, aspects of the human animal, the human brain, the human, you know, neuroendocrinological system. Um, so the fact it's taken this long is the only thing that surprises me. The the idea it now seems quaint that the media would have some sort of a, a more neutral, a, a higher, a more highfalutin uh, perspective on things. Um, you know, the media now is just like any other profit-driven organization and lacking uh, government um, regulation or government role in the process, uh, that's, that ain't going to change. So um, I'm not surprised in the least. It's, we've, we have gotten exactly the kind of quote-unquote media that our economic system would inevitably lead itself to. Why are we surprised and outraged? We shouldn't be surprised and outraged about that. We should be surprised and outraged about capitalism, which is totally fucked. So no surprise here. Matt is right on. So I think, you know, the, the digital age has some interesting attributes, which, which I think accelerate in some ways this uh, uh, sort of media debacle. Um, and one of the things that, you know, at, at least my perception of the media over you know, the period of time from, you know, the, the late 70s uh, un- until now was that that there was some sort of gold standard um, or at least it appeared like there was, you know, when there were three channels on TV, uh, you know, a few select newspapers, which were sort of seen as the, you know, the pinnacle of writing. And then, then you had some magazines and such. Um, and. It, you know, rightly or wrongly, the, the impression that I get now is that, you know, while those those brands, those companies may still exist, they exist in a, um, a cesspool or whatever of a lot of other just plain old noise where equal sort of um, say is given to, you know, uh, less well-researched not well uh, thought through and, you know, uh, particularly biased um, outlets. And so the end, the end result is that if you are a sort of well-researched and, you know, generally uh, even-handed publication, uh, you're going to be seen in the same light as everything else from, you know, your, your blog sites to your video bloggers to your social media. So it's this uneven... Uh, so, so rather than lifting up, um, uh, you know, certain voices to a higher level, it seems like the, the, the once gold standard voices have been sort of dragged down into the muck. I think some of that's perceptual fiction. So I mean, okay. go, go back to the ABC, CBS, NBC days, right? Mm-hmm. We were getting Flintstones, I Dream of Genie, and Have Gun Will Travel, or whatever the hell yeah. the crazy Western shows were from the 1960s. That's not high art. It's not high news. It's not objective journalism. It's base entertainment. And it's rubbish. If you watch those shows now, they're horrific. Um, so the, the idea that there was this gold standard, I think, is, is a myth. I think it's a total myth. Those were entertainment outlets that happened to inject small nuggets of perhaps closer to some journalistic ideal of news within a trough of slop 
um, that <laughs> people only watch because they didn't know better. So, so I'm 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 less uh, a, a little less jaded uh, on on that point. I I, I want to ask you: Do you think? Uh, so we're talking about the media as a product, right? Do do we think that it's a you know generally speaking a well designed product? I, I think that's an interesting question because it seems to drive views, right? So it's all about click throughs and views and things. So and and you mentioned the word addiction earlier, and you know I can tell you I'm I'm checking you know Twitter and and social media and clicking through links, you know uh, to the point where you know I think oh I have to stop and get back to work. Yeah. So so there is that that. Um, that that quote addiction uh, that that I have as well. So so is it is it a well designed product? Or are we just getting what we're asking for? Yeah, it's kind of what we're asking for, right? We're getting we're getting what the natural human um, reaction to stimulus demands. We're getting what our 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 need for sex, our um, the way that sugar, you know. Um, mixes with our system to become addictive the way all these chemicals um are sort of you know perfectly suited to make us say more and more please you know we're (laughs) we're getting that i none of us or very few of us i would hope are consciously saying what i want is more of the tits stuff like Mm -hmm. serve me up a lot of the tits so i can keep clicking on them no Mm -hmm. we just click on the tits because we like tits you know, few of us are saying, give me the empty sugar that's a worthless calories, that's going to shorten my life, that's going to do all these bad things to my body. No, it's just that it's so addictive and so yummy. We just, you know, um, so <laughs> your, think, your sound effects are awesome. I don't think any of it is conscious, you know. Right. Um, it's just like we are at our core a very base and primitive and simple species. And if you allow these giant organizations to get these great incentives to tap into those parts of ourself and leverage them to the hilt, then you're going to get us going to those behaviors more, being incentivized to do so by these by these companies, and for them to be rewarded for it while we are taken down to a more a more primitive and unfortunate manifestation of what our species is possible of being. So I I think there's there's a corollary or or an add-on to that, which is um uh, you know, especially as this political season in the United States heats up um, and is going to get to a fever pitch at a certain point. Um, and and whether whether this is a new phenomenon or, or not, I don't know. But I, I see a a danger here in self-validating viewpoints. Right. Okay. So so I think a certain way. I click on articles that reinforce the way I, you know, think about it. I pay attention to, you know, these these links that that are, uh, you know, maybe left leaning. Maybe my uncle pays attention to, you know, the the links that are uh, right leaning, yeah. right? And and because we have faulty memories, even the best of us. And and we revise our memories over time, right? You end up with things like. Oh, you know this statement from uh, from Trump, where he remembers exactly what happened, and that's what happened for him. And suddenly, there's collective amnesia or a collective sort of dream where everybody else remembers it. And why didn't the media report it? Because you know they certainly must be lying. Uh, um, and so you have these 
this search for self-validation, uh, which I think is uh, really kind of dangerous when you don't have uh, a way of validating it at, at, at the, the end of the day against what is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there is, you're right, there is that intellectual self-validation in terms of the things we choose to read and do. And then there are those other things like clicking on the tits that isn't self-validation. It's just being drawn down to to our lowest common denominator. But I think one thing that all of this gets back to, especially when we're talking about the media and reporting and some golden standard of journalism, is the idea of truth. I mean, I happen to think truth is a myth. I think that you know, there's, we, we claim that there's this idea of truth that like objectively there's this certain specific way of being. It's, it's total bullshit. I mean, let, let's, let's decide, you know, who's, who's the, the most fantastic journalist, uh, like in our lifetimes, who, which journalist is just the balls. It's like, mm-hmm. the, this is the guy or girl who just, they told the truth. They mm-hmm. were on it. I mean, so let's say Edward R. Murrow. I think that would be a name I could throw on few people would disagree with right. on his face. Edward R. Murrow came from a worldview of, United States, democracy, freedom, good, Soviet Union, evil empire, horrible. And so he was telling his truth from the standpoint of within and as a a champion of the system in the United States in contrast to the system in the Soviet Union. There's no objective correctness there. He simply happens to be someone who is advocating the, the worldview and viewpoint of a majority of the people in the society around him. That's a very different thing from truth. And so if we throw out the idea of truth, and if we start to look at this as, look, this is just a case of different uh, different people in different contexts with their own specific agendas giving a take on what happened and trying to be as, as close to or not worrying about how close they are to the facts as possible, the conversation changes very much. And so I, th- I do think that the whole notion of a golden, you know, the golden time of journalism is, is bullshit. I think it's it's sort of fiction on top of fiction on top of fiction. And now it's just much it's just much more apparent that what it all boils down to is chasing the money and clicking on tits. So, Dirk, do you think it's it's always been like this or do you think that our minds are actively being transformed by the age, you know, the digital age of information. So are we getting so much reinforcement from for certain behaviors that uh, we've described at length today? Like, are we changing our mindset? Are we changing our actual minds? Are we evolving in a direction that is, you know, going to reward, you know, this kind of behavior in the future? Yeah, I, I think it's always been this way to some degree. Like, let's go back to the time, you know, late 18th century, early 19th century, right? When the, the, the founding of the United States. So, you know, there was a lot more what we might consider serious journalism that people were caring about and paying attention to. You know, the, the common sense pamphlets would be a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Well, that was happening in a society where the majority of people um, were fighting against an oppressive imperialistic regime in, in England, right? And so on a daily basis, you, you were having to think about um, what you could do at the level of survival, what you could do to, to make sure you have basic freedoms and live, you know, live in a somewhat, you know, a, even just a simple way. Today, the majority of us just take that for granted. We live in these nice houses. It's very safe. Um, we have food, you know, any kind of food we want, push button. It's a totally different world. And so now that we have the cushion of, of safety in our day-to-day lives, 
it's easy to, to just, um, you know, to sort of degenerate to sugar and tits. Um, however, at, at the same time, you know, you hear now in politics, especially, you know, there'll be these horrible, um, one, one candidate will lambast another, say terrible things. There'll be commercials that are just outrageous, skewering a candidate. And I always hear people say, oh, my God, it never used to be this way. Oh, my God. You know, but if you go back to the late 18th century and early 19th century, it was worse. If you've read the things that the John Adams campaign was saying about the Thomas Jefferson and the stuff the Thomas Jefferson campaign was saying about John Adams, it would make people today blush. It was horrendous and unbelievable. And it was preposterous, the things that they would say. So so this stuff has always been around to, to some degree. But but the way, you know, the, 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 in, at that time, it was necessary that there be something like common sense, that there be something that was really meaty and toothy to engage people because they wanted their freedoms. They wanted these British the hell off their backs and they wanted to, to live with some sense of security and future and promise. And now we don't we don't have those concerns. We're fat and happy. And so it's sugar and tits, baby. So on that note, listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com. That's just one L in the digital life and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward, if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at goinvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? So as much as I like sugar and tits, generally I talk to people about other things. And if you're interested in engaging me, you can follow me on Twitter at dmeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or you can email me, Dirk, at goinvo.com. So that's it for episode 132 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>